Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partners, Ari and uh, Ari and Nick. <laughs> How's it going? Thank you guys for joining us. This is the 100th episode of Value Investor TV. Wow, we came a long way. Um, man, I can't believe it's it's been 100 episodes already. So before we start, as always, Hari, give us a quick disclaimer. Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV uh, podcast. We are here to educate you on the concepts behind value investing. We are not your financial advisor. We don't know your specific financial situation. So please consult with your uh, advisor before making any decisions. Awesome. Um, so guys, this is our 100th episode. Uh, it came a long way ever since you and I started, Hari. Um, we initially thought that uh, this will be kind of like a fun side project. And we started in August 2018. That's when we recorded our first episode and we opened up our Slack channel uh, in September 2019. Um, you know, we, we started because we wanted a way to communicate, um, just exchange ideas about value investing our, and, our, and our strategy behind value investing and how we manage our, our personal portfolios and stocks. And, uh, you know, we, we decided to open up and actually do a podcast to to let, you know, let people, other people in in our conversation. So I can't believe it's been 100 episodes already. Yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about it is that the, you know, we we are trying to follow the same principles that have been presented to us for, you know, sent, you know, decades at this point. Um and, you know, I, I think the thing is that in in this entire time, I, I, I think we've tried to adhere to that as best as we could, you know, both in our analysis and how we, we talk about um, the checklist and, 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 and those things. And I hope that it's been helpful for you guys to put that framework in place, because I think it's very easy, especially when it comes to your money, to start thinking about it emotionally as opposed to, you know, uh, rationally. So, um, this is an important part of, you know, the process is just to be, be able to separate yourself out. Um, and that's why you see us hammer those, that first, you know, few episodes when we started was what is, what is investing? What is, you know, companies, what are publicly traded companies, all of that stuff. And then just doing the same thing every time we analyze a company and going through that checklist. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, we're very, uh, fortunate that we've been able to do it this long, uh, and have gotten a lot of feedback and things like that. So we're very grateful that we've actually made it this far. Uh, and, you know, we look forward to the next 100 episodes too. Yeah, definitely. Um, being just very almost detached from your emotions and being able to go through the checklist without any emotion, I think is the key part uh, that you mentioned there. And I just want to echo what Hari said, which is, you know, really appreciate all of you listening and, and commenting and sending us emails. That's been really helpful to get us going. Um, I think without that, we probably would have stopped really, but getting those emails, yeah, I think really motivates us to continue and, and continue to produce, uh, produce content that you guys find useful. So, uh, thanks again. And as you'll see, we have a new member to our team. Hey guys. Um, he's, he's been working behind the scenes. You guys haven't noticed, which is good. But uh, he's been working behind the scenes to help us become a better 
content producers, both on YouTube, both uh, on YouTube as well as the podcast and 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 other areas of our of our uh, of our team. So, Nick, uh, can you briefly just introduce yourself? Yeah. Hey, guys, my name is Nick. Um, so, yeah, as, as Becca said, I've been helping out behind the scenes, I've been editing, editing the podcasts together, I've been putting the videos online for YouTube. And during this whole time, I've also been um, starting my journey as a, as a value investor. Um, I just graduated last May from Rice University with a degree in statistics. Um, I took a, quite a few econ classes as well. And I met Becca through some mutual connections at Rice. We both went to Rice University, you know, at separate times. But um, after, you know, talking to Becco and, and joining the team, I really kind of wanted to start my journey as value investor because, you know, when I was a kid, my family, we did, they did quite a bit of investing. And I remember those successes and I remember also those, those losses and how they affected us. So I think, you know, as I'm starting my own journey as an investor here, I want to see how value investing will help me uh, become a better investor, achieve my financial goals and really learn how the world of, of business works. So I think um my goal is to be joining on episodes in the future and you know start as i start my as i as i learn along with everyone you can see the the mistakes i make and the the things that i do right and wrong yeah fantastic awesome awesome to have you on the team nick um you guys have probably noticed if people for those of you guys listening on youtube those beautiful thumbnails and the new the new kind of uh, the animation that's uh, been sliding in in front of the in front of the uh, episodes that's all nick's creation so thank you nick for doing that and many more to come in the future yeah and no, i'm excited where um, where everything will, will lead awesome awesome i thought it'd be you know since we started our episode first episode Hari, in august 2018 that's almost a year and a half ago uh, almost two years um here in about four four months you know, a lot has happened during that time um and as value investor, you know, you don't really focus on the macroeconomics uh, and the, kind of the large, overwhelming kind of uh, overarching themes of, of the day. But um, I thought it'd be good to kind of recap what 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 happened in the past hundred episodes. Um, so maybe I could start. Yeah, uh, we'll there's start definitely... with we'll start with you grew facial hair. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm trying my new look <laughs> for the coronavirus. Yeah, <laughs> been going at it for about two weeks, two and a half weeks. <laughs> all right, that's all that's happened in two years. All right, moving Thank on. You guys, I feel make, super self conscious now. Make sure to tune in to the the YouTube video so you can, you can see before and after of a uh, of here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> super self conscious now, and I feel totally naked. <laughs> you should also send us emails uh making fun of his uh, making fun of him that that would also help us um <laughs> uh, so enough of that let's move on to the actual themes of the of the past <laughs> two years um maybe you can start off this one you start you can start with this one i think Hari. um the retail apocalypse a lot has happened in retail landscape what do you think about that yeah, it was it was interesting. I think uh you know, when the retail, you know, everyone was talking about Amazon is going to crush uh businesses and you know, we're going to see the retail stuff uh accelerate and I I mean, we certainly saw business closures, closing of a bunch of retail stores. Um and I I think now with the coronavirus is actually really what is pushing those retail businesses out 
faster than anything else. You know, they would have been in a slower, gradual decline. And now, um, you know, Neiman Marcus has filed for bankruptcy. You know, it's probably the first big retailer that's going to file. Um, and I think a lot of these companies are going to follow uh, very soon after because they're going to have lease payments that they can't make. Um, and so I think we're going to see a lot of things are going to shut down. Um, so, yeah, the retail apocalypse, I think, is not, you know, it it it. it it was not as bad as people predicted early on, but I think this is going to make it a lot worse now. Yeah, for sure. I remember talking to you and I were talking about Macy's and how Macy's real estate portfolio value was a lot more than than the market cap at one point and how that was a real true kind of hidden value. Uh, but uh, kind of overall thematically, Right. This acceleration of going e-commerce is not going to slow down anytime soon. Right. No. And I, I think um, some businesses are better suited for it. I mean, in the retail world, they call it omni-channel. So e-commerce plus brick and mortar. And we're actually seeing some e-commerce businesses that are actually opening up physical locations, too. So it's not it's not that the physical landscape is is going away. It's that, um, you know, we had we had an overbuilt um, storefront base, right? I think we had far too many malls, far too many shopping centers, far too many things that, um, you know, could have been serviced better with fewer places. And so now that's going away. Um, but I think it's going to be replaced because people still want to buy things. They still want to spend money. And I don't think it's all going to be online. I think there's still a, a large component of buying in, in, in person, you know, um, yeah. that that'll never go away. Um, but it, it's going to shift, certainly. Yeah. What is your experience? I know, Nick, you've, you know, you've been, you were in Houston and now you're in D.C. And, you, you know, just moved to a new place in D.C. And you do a bit of traveling for your main job. Um, you know, what, what has your experience been like with e-commerce for, as a consumer? I'd say um, I just know that... Um, it's been interesting looking at seeing e-commerce and, and the rules and regulations um, before and after, I think, Corona um, has has hit. Um, I know, so I'm a video a journalist here in D.C., and we're reporting, you know, on a lot of stories of, you know, price inflations on a, on a lot of uh, items that we think are, uh, you know, day-to-day -day essentials. Um, so that's been pretty interesting looking at e-commerce and seeing those those. Uh, prices go, uh, you know, dr drastically increase. Yeah, there's definitely talks of like, you know, um, there's definitely talks of like monopoly and things like that around Amazon and what that what that means for brick and mortar and things like that. So this trend is going to continue and uh, something that we have to uh, absolutely have to kind of look out for as investors. Um, let's move on to another theme that happened. Um, Blockchain. Hari, what do you think about blockchain? Well, you know, I think when we started the Bitcoin, you started the podcast, Bitcoin was, you know, went up to $20,000 per coin, or I think just peaked over that, um, and then crashed to $3,000 a coin. And now it's come up a little bit down to up to 7000 or so. But, you know, it, it, the funny thing about it is it's still the same principles apply, right? It is a commodity. It is no different than oil 
except oil actually has some intrinsic value outside of, you know, just it being around for trading, right? You know, you can actually do make stuff with oil, um, which is how you derive value from it. Um, you know, Bitcoin has no intrinsic value other than what somebody else is willing to pay for it. And, you know, and, and the underlying te technology behind it, blockchain, to me has been one of those nonsensical things that a lot of people have pushed, right? As this is some distributed ledger that we can all write, you know, things on and that that's how we keep track of stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really just a database, right? It's no date, no different than any other database. And, um, you know, we saw it kind of uh, spring up. I saw a lot of businesses advertising it on TV and things like that, how they're going to use blockchain to do this and that. Um, and I think we're now starting to see a lot of that fizzle out because, you know, there was reality and there's promises, you know, you know, in the, the stuff. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't know any credible thing that's being really done with blockchain other than cryptocurrency. And, you know, outside of that, you know, I, I've hear IBM ads about how they're tracking things with blockchain and stuff like that. And I just don't know how that's any different than any other database that they would be using. So, um, you know, I, I think the the smart investor would be wise to avoid any of those businesses that, you know, are are fads, you know, and, and focus on the things that are actually real, right? And and that have teeth and invest in those, right? People are still going to need food. They're still going to need uh, groceries. They're still going to need entertainment. They're still going to need a lot of different things. And, you know, that's where people are going to spend their money. So, uh you know, I go back to I go back to your very first point about blockchain, which is that this is just means to an end, right? It it's not an it's not a value producing asset like a business. It's like you swap out this with gold or fiat currency. It's just means to an end. Yep. So, for example, if you invest in like let's say, I don't know, Walmart, and Walmart decides, okay, we can convert, we can you know, let's say blockchain and cryptocurrency actually became a thing. And they, they and then they fully adopted then you know it's better to own that that will embrace cryptocurrency when it actually becomes a thing if if ever than the thing itself right yep so i think it just goes to goes to show that the principle of value investing so so applies here uh let's move on to the next theme um i think there was a lot of talk about trade war which is still going on and how it's relevant to you know the current the modern landscape of the 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 over reliance on each other and we talked about in the previous episode the resilience versus efficiency paradigm what, what you know what does that all mean uh, maybe we can talk about that here uh, just a bit about the the trade war particularly to, to china uh, but but also with uh, various other countries well you know i <clears throat> excuse me the trade war really hasn't stopped you know it's just at a in a pause right now um and i i think a lot of people have criticized um you know the president the you know for for going to after china about a lot of this stuff but i mean the reality is china was actually doing a lot of these things and they are they are doing things that are har harmful to American economy, right? We are seeing the um, the over reliance on Chinese, uh, you know, goods, 
um, hurting us during the coronavirus. We are seeing a lot of things that were, uh, you know, that we could have been building our, our supply chains in other countries where China has actually gotten to a point where manufacturing goods should probably be done at a place that has a lower standard of living. Um, but China has devalued its currency to allow for um, them to continue to, you know, to make it economically viable. So there's a lot of things that China is doing to, um, you know, and, and, you know, the let's not remember, forget that China has a lot of problem with just flat out telling the truth about things. And, you know, for us as, um, as Americans, right, we should be thinking about America first, right? R regardless of how you, you know, a lot of people treat that as some sort of like nationalistic, you know, thought process. But, but in reality, I mean, if you are an American citizen, then you are, you, you think about your own country first. And I mean, same as if you were a German citizen or a British citizen or a Chinese citizen, right? You would want to be in the, the place that is doing the best for yourself. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is that China is using their leverage uh, to um, invest in countries and over, you know, take over assets, right? The EU is struggling right now with, um, you know, as the prices have dropped on a lot of things and companies are struggling, uh, the EU is worried about um, China going in and buying up large stakes and businesses in the EU, um, you know, as, as kind of a bailout measure, right? And we should all be worried about that. You know, if, if China is owning assets and property in other countries, it, it creates a lot of problems. So, you know, the trade war is one way to solve that, right? There are other ways to do that. You know, one is with the World Trade Organization and other things. Um, but there seems to be a reluctance for the rest of the world. And so tariffs have kind of been um, the only hammer that, you know, the president has yielded. Now, Yeah. Um, whether you agree with that or not, it, it is what it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely like the, you know, kind of the <clears throat> examples that you mentioned of a predatory practice, right? It is certainly the case. And then it's certainly the fact that they do that. And it is a it is a it is a well known knowledge and insight that they, they do they do conduct themselves in a very predatory predatory way. Yep. And another and another issue that's been brought forward, um, you know, brought forward to limelight is the you know, intellectual property issues, right? It is a real issue and it needs to be addressed. And I think we're seeing an inkling of that, um, at least an attempt to rectify this uh, right now. As you mentioned, though, Hari, this is an ongoing battle. You know, maybe the, the phase one trade deal, you can call that maybe a armistice, if you will. Right. It's an armistice of sorts. It's not over and it'll continue. Um, so some a theme to definitely look out for. Uh, in years to come. I think this is not going to be just a thing that will end next year. I think this will continue for a long time. Yep. Nick, what do you, any, any thoughts here with the uh, U S and China? Mm -hmm. Well, I was kind of interested in not the kind of the, the, the next point we're going to talk about as well with how Hong Kong's relationship with, with um, China and the, mm -hmm. and how that has affected, you know, not only the, the trade war, but, uh, more on a global perspective, the how everything is kind of um, connected with each other. I know in the last June, right, the Hong Kong and China had um, some quarrels over an extradition bill that um, what where Beijing was having more influence in in Hong Kong than the citizens of Hong Kong would like, and just 
kind of wanted to see how that has affected our relationship with China and our um, strategies for you know investing in, in companies out there. Yeah, definitely. I think the news came out today, maybe it was yesterday, about uh, the person who wrote the Constitution got arrested, was arrested in Hong Kong. Um, did you guys read about that? I didn't. Nick, do you know? No, I, I didn't. Didn't see that yet. Okay, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe something to look to to look at. Um, well, I mean, for it, you guys, <clears throat> that's certainly something that is, you know, as an American, you know, who's lived, born, and raised here, um, Americans often forget, you know, how valuable that the uh, freedoms that we all have are, and you know that is why the. Um, you know, the U.S. economy and all of the things that have, have occurred, you know, why America is such a great nation is that because we're based on those things that the government cannot, you know, restrict my speech, the government cannot restrict my uh, right to uh, assembly and, you know, to religion and other things, you know, and in, in China, that is not um, not the case, right? They, the Chinese government, you basically are beholden to them for everything. And, uh, I think that is a, you know, you know, we are all, you know, citizens of, of the world, but at the same time, we, we, we should be concerned about, you know, any country that has, you know, does that to its own citizens and is trying to spread its influence to the rest of the world. It, it should be worrisome to all of us, right? That that is, that is the case, right? What they're doing to the people of Hong Kong is, 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 is scary. You know, it's kind of been hidden right now because of the COVID stuff. Um, and I don't know exactly what's going on in Hong Kong right now because of COVID, but, um, you know, it, it is kind of terrifying if they were to, you know, I, I've, there was a brief article in the wall street journal about a month ago talking about how the shifting of the U S Navy is now moving towards South China sea. Um, you know, they've taken their, their military, uh, out of, uh, the Persian Gulf and out of the um, that area and brought it m more towards you know Southeast Asia off the coast of Southeast Asia uh, because of encroachment by the Chinese right a, a war between China and the U.S. like a an actual war not a trade war would be devastating for everybody I mean the entire world yeah. and you know um, China just doesn't want to stop so um, yeah. Yeah, definitely a, a theme to definitely watch out for um, and play pay close attention to, for sure. And then, and then uh, one other theme. Let's talk about this: uh, the gig economy, the rise of gig economy, and the rise of um, the entrance of Uber and Lyft and all these other, you know, billion plus unicorns into the public market. We, you know, covered one of them, Lyft, in one of our previous episodes. So let's talk about that just really quick here. Um, your initial thoughts yeah i mean i i think the uh you know becco and i didn't have a very favorable opinion of lyft um uh, you know as a as a profitable business as a as a concept you know i didn't see much of a moat and um you know i i don't think any of that has really changed you know the this idea though that um you can take the a, a business that people would normally do, which is the taxi service and, and somehow, um, lower the cost, you know, without an economies of scale is, is kind of ludicrous, right? The, the business itself doesn't have economies of scale, 
right? A taxi company that has, you know, has limited economies of scale because they can buy fleets of vehicles, they can service them, and etc. Um, and a company like Lyft doesn't offer that, right? And so there is no real benefit to what they're they're doing in terms of cost savings. Um, and they still have insurance, and they still have other things that they have to pay for. Um, it, 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 to me, it's, you know, and then we're seeing this now in the COVID era, right? We're seeing a lot of, you know, having your groceries delivered, having your other things delivered, um, but these businesses aren't really making any money still. And, you know, it's very easy to get a lot of people to sign up for something when you're giving away value, right? Um, but it's a lot harder when you have to pay three times as much for it. And, you know, there are going to be far fewer customers for that when, when that happens. Now, will Uber be profitable? You know, I have, and Lyft and all these other things, you know, maybe they are, maybe the, the promotional activity goes away, but what, what is yet to be seen is if they needed the promotional activity in the first place, what happens when they take it away? Do people still use it? I mean, I can't even remember the last time I used to use Uber, you know, a couple of times a month. Um, and now my behavior has shifted. I don't know if I'm representative of the world, but um, that I only use it really when I'm traveling to a, uh, you know another city. Um, do I use Uber because I don't want to deal with renting a car? So I'm really curious how all of this plays out. And then these are highly leveraged businesses. How does the COVID impact them too? You know they were they were already negative uh, on the profit side. Um, so are they going to lose even more money now? Yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, as we always talk about, it's all based on competitive advantage, but also the risk mitigation comes from the price you pay. But a lot of these companies that came to the market were very expensive and not profitable. So that is something that you have you obviously have to look out for. And to Hari's point, um, will, will people, will, will behavior change? Will, will consumer behavior change when promotional activities for Uber or Lyft or Grubhub or you know any of these services change what will it change when you would take away the promotional activities and well and you know, you know from from go ahead I, I was just gonna throw in one that we we even covered on the podcast which was WeWork and you know they didn't make it to their IPO and now SoftBank is actually struggling and isn't gonna give them uh, some of their bailout money and I mean I, I don't have anything to say other than how did you not see this coming, right? You know, this is a business that nobody wanted. You know, I mean, they were basically subsidizing the the rent for people. And now people are working from home and nobody's going to WeWork and they just charge you by the month. So there's no lock-in. So it's like, well, yeah, our revenue dried up in, you know, just like that. Well, <laughs> instantly. Yeah. Instantly. That's yeah. hilarious for you. I, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know how that's <laughs> going to work, but, um, you know, I, I think a lot of these things work out in good times, but don't work at all in bad. And now we're seeing the bad. And, and that's, to me, it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see what survives. Yeah. yeah and and sure. even, even companies, you know, like Uber, who have Uber eats, they're still, those are just lifelines, you know, that we've been kind of seeing and they're not enough to sustain, sustain a kind of a broken system already. Well, and, and Nick, yeah, that's a great point. for Nick, for your, you know, since you're younger than both Becco and I, and you're just out of college, I mean, how, how much are you using Uber, Lyft, you know, the, the delivery services, things like that 
you know, are, are those things that you commonly, you know, use and your friends and so on, do they use them also? Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, not owning a car, you know, especially in, in a city like DC that we, that my generation does tend to use that, um, more. Um, and even with, uh, you know, even during this pandemic, while we're not using Uber now to get around cause we're staying, staying put, um, my, my friends and I, I'd say once a week, we're using Uber eats to, to, to you know, to order in food. Which is, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is not really all that, you know, I, I think I'm using DoorDash maybe two or three times a week, but I actually go and pick up the food from, from the place because they charge so much now for the delivery fee, you know? So I, I'm almost using it as just an easy way to order food instead of having to go, uh, and it, but I'm not using the delivery part of it. Yeah. Yeah, and... You know, there a lot of these companies are out in the public market, so we can all scrutinize them and, and take a look at them. And if you, if you, you know, if you, if you agree with us um, or don't agree with us, it's an opportunity for you to have have a stake in, in the game and and and, uh, and uh, understand um, how these businesses function. So that's another big theme, uh, and obviously. Uh, coronavirus is a big theme of 2020 and we talked about extensively about that in the previous episode so if you guys haven't checked that out um, check that out we talk about um you know we talked about we talked what talked about what that what coronavirus means for the hospitality industry we talked about what that means for being more resilient companies being more resilient um so uh, check that out Do, do you guys have anything kind of high level you want to mention about coronavirus? Well, I think you've heard, you've heard my thoughts. So maybe if Nick has anything. Um, not, not so far, not really related to investing. I just know that, um, you know, uh, the younger generation of just being out of college and, um, my my I'm in, I'm in a year fellowship right now, so I'm entering the job market again, and it's a pretty scary uh, time to be looking for a job, just from a personal just personal experience. And the economy is definitely really affecting affecting my ability to do ability to do so. Yeah, we talked about in the previous episode the number of um, number of jobless claims just skyrocketing through the roof. And uh, obviously, new entrants into the market, new grads from undergrad or grad school, like even professionals, professional schools, like lawyers, for example, are, um, you know, they're, they're having a hard time with this coronavirus. So certainly, yeah, you're going to say something, Mark? Yeah, no, I, I mean, this was actually very common. You know, we saw this in 2008 also, you know, grads that were graduating then and businesses weren't hiring for a year or two. Um a lot of people struggled for two years. And then when the economy started picking back up, you know, the things that employers were looking for was, well, you've been out of the game for two years. So why should I hire you kind of thing? Right. Which is obviously a very scary thought for a lot of people. And so there were a lot of people who went back to school and, you know, got additional training or got additional degrees, you know, to, to kind of offset that. And so that, that may be one answer for, for this, um, you know, is to, is to go back to school. And I think, um, you know, that that's one, one way to, to mitigate this, but there's a, you know, there's a larger problem here that is, um, 
you know, from a social, you know, aspect of, you know, being, feeling like you're, you're not worth anything, right? Because you don't have a job, you don't have, you're mooching off someone or you have to, is, is very, um, uh, you know, it, it provokes a lot of anxiety in a lot of people and it's very scary to think about, right? That you, you know, you, you don't know when you, you can get a job and you, you know, you may have to move back in with your parents. And you know, we certainly saw a lot of that after 2008. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the best thing that the U.S. can do and the rest of the world is really push to the open the economy as fast as they possibly can while still maintaining the, you know, safety and, you know, social distancing and those other things because we really need to get things going because I think the economic toll on the world is going to be far worse than the actual deaths from the virus itself. You know, um, it's going to be very harmful. All of the businesses that are shutting down and people losing jobs, I mean, 16 million people who have filed for claims is far larger than the number of deaths that we anybody predicted, you know? Definitely. And then, you know, we can also relate that to suicide, you know, number of suicides going up and depression and uh, drug overuse and things like that. So it certainly does have health effects, you know, health consequences to to those numbers also. So, yep. Yeah. But yeah, just to, just, you know, <clears throat> I think it was a good opportunity to kind of touch on these big themes um, that happened over the past two years, a year and a half. Um, but, you know. Notwithstanding all these different, you know, different issues, one thing that is that is evergreen is the principles of value investing, right? So whether it is coronavirus, whether it is uh, U.S.-China tariff war, you know, whether it is the retail apocalypse, one thing stands true, which is value investing. You know, the fundamentals. You have to look at the fundamentals of the business, analyze the competitive edge, uh, and and do a really deep dive into e individual companies instead of focusing on the macros. And I think so. I think all of those things that you mentioned, all of these shocks, these things that, you know, they, they are, as Ben Graham did in The Intelligent Investor, you know, brilliantly uh, illustrated, you know, the market gives you a quotation, right? And it will tell you it may be exuberant one day and depressed the next, but it's your choice, right? You don't have to do anything with the information it gives you, um, but the information is just it, that. It's information and you can use it you can go and buy you can go and sell or you can do nothing right and you can just buy and hold on to your, your existing investment um but i think a lot of people look at the price as as the value right and that creates a lot of oh the stock went down so it's worth less than it used to be no i mean the value of the company is still the same um and you know all of these shocks and all of these things <clears throat> lead a lot of people into an emotional kind of response, which is I'm not going to buy or I'm going to buy, or if I don't buy it now, it's going to go up too quickly and I'm not going to be able to do it, you know, and I'll miss the bottom. You know, I, I've heard many, many people on the Slack channel talk about the bottom, right? And <laughs> wanting to be in at the bottom. And then you, you can rationally explain to them that you need to not worry about the bottom, just worry about the absolute value, right? And you, you can see that they understand that, but then the emotion kicks in and say, I'll wait until it goes down a little lower, right? And and the the reality of it is if it's below the the you know the valued you know margin of safety price, 
then it's okay to buy, right? You know, just buy in small chunks. You're never really going to time the bottoms. Warren Buffett has never timed the bottom um, and he's a billionaire, right? So you don't need to make, you know, not even just a billionaire, multi, multi-billionaire. So you don't have to time the bottom. You don't have to be a trader in order to make money. You just need to value these businesses accurately and be patient and wait for your, you know, your pitch. And when that pitch comes, you swing hard. Yeah. I love that analogy, the the baseball analogy. Yep. It hits home. It hits home quite well. Uh, it, yeah, it, it actually hits home runs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so looking forward, right? We just did our 100th episode, this episode. So looking forward to the next 100 episode, these are things that we want to do to continue, to help you continue to nurture these these, you know, these lessons of value investing, looking at the fundamentals and really analyzing the companies without having too much, too much, you know, without having emotional attachment to what's going on in the market. So to continue to do that, continue to provide value for you guys, uh, we want to um, kind of put forth a proposal um, of, of efforts that, uh, that we want to dedicate our time into um, in the next the next hundred hundred episode and those are thematically four different areas and i just like to kind of touch on them really quickly first is uh in the next hundred in the next hundred episode we will try our best to nurture our youtube channel i think we've been kind of uh, slacking in terms of getting it up and running and, and make, make sure it's maintained and things like that we've been really just focused on the focused on the, the podcast itself but we'll try to be more proactive on YouTube channels. Um, perhaps an idea here is that you can have, uh, you know, we'll have uh, you guys send us uh, video questions. So you can record yourself really quickly and send us a, you know, send us that video and we can talk about it in our, in our, in our YouTube, in our podcast. So that's an idea. Um, and more animation and graphics for, to be, to be more uh, easily digestible and, and more impactful. So YouTube channel, definitely want to continue that. Two is Slack channel. Uh, we talk about it in the beginning of the episode every single time. Slack channel, Slack channel. We want you guys to be part of the community, to engage with each other and ask us questions. We post every single day, um, effectively every single day, some some, uh, some news, relevant news, relevant to the market. So I hope you guys can be part of it. Um, um, and so, so definitely growing that is, is our big emphasis going forward to the next 100 episodes. A third is we want to do live events. So live, not live events because not physically, but um, live streaming. So we want to host um, live sessions, do Q&A. And an idea here is that, um, you know, we can be more interactive with you guys. Maybe Hari and I can be on opposing side of an issue and we can debate each other, for example. Yeah, Hari will be on the, the correct side and then Becca will be on the other side. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's how and, it works. And Nick will be a moderator? We'll there you go. I, I can accept that role. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's our third bucket of effort. And then lastly, our database. Um, I know some of you guys have checked out our database. It's www.valueinvestor.org, O-R-G. Uh, it's a place where you can look up uh, publicly traded companies and their, and their financials and their, and their fundamentals. And uh, we want to nurture that even more by providing you uh, better features to download data, uh, being able to download data in an accessible form, 
um, more information about the company and, and the fundamentals. So we'll, we'll continue to nurture that. So those are four buckets of areas where we want to really devote our effort uh, to the next, uh, the next hundred episodes. Um, are you going to say something? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the, uh, we've talked about the database in the past and obviously, um, Becco and I have full-time jobs. Nick has a full-time job um, and will be a full-time student uh, very soon also. Um, you know, we, we want to, um, to make that a, a thing that we all use um, for our daily, you know, investment uh, review and finding stocks and things like that. Um, so one thing that would be very helpful for us, um, you know, that, that, um, is something that, uh, Becco and I pay for, we get a, 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 a digital feed of data and I've been paying for that for a while, but have just not had the time to do it. So my goal is to actually make something, um, you know, more useful, more, uh, beneficial for, for us, you know, f- as investors and also for the community, uh, as a service. Um, and, you know, to, so I, 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 right now it's all free and we have no intention as of today to, you know, to, to charge for it, but we may do that in the future. Um, uh, but I'd like for people to get on there and, and just look at it and give us feedback. You know, um, the more feedback that we get, the better we can hone it. Um, you know, the, the principles behind that website are, it is as fast as you can possibly, you know, use any, if you look at most investment websites, they're very slow. They're riddled with ads very difficult to navigate. You know, our site is very clean, very quick. Um, you know, a lot of things that we've built, you know, Becco and I both are software developers on, on, in our day jobs. Um, you know, so we built that to be as fast as possible to get information. Um, we're going to put in a top notch screener so that you can look for stuff, put in specialty screeners like the magic formula, which we've built, uh, but haven't, uh, you know, have to update again. So there's a lot of features that we want to put in there. Things that you can help us with are just looking at the site, telling us what things you would see would be beneficial for you. Um, and, you know, you know, the other thing is that, um, like, like we've said before, um, you know, to date, we have never charged anyone for anything. Um, you know, Becco and I do this on our own dime. So does Nick, you know, he, he volunteers his time to, to do the podcast, you know, in the future, we may think about something like a Patreon or, you know, something to help, um, you know, not that we're trying to make money off of this, but then to, you know, for us to actually take it more seriously and spend more time and then also devote more resources to helping Nick with maybe he needs stock footage or maybe he can, you know, buy some After Effects things that'll help it make, you know, the visual presentation better so that he can do graphics and things like that. Um, you know, so things that'll enhance the experience for everyone involved and so that we can present you guys a better experience because, you know, this is a business for us. I mean, we don't, you know, really charge anyone or make any money off of it. Um, but, you know, what are the things that would help us get, you know, make this a better community, right? And that's that's really the goal here is to make a better community. I, you know, we certainly have our own portfolios. That's what our, our primary focus is, is to enhance our own portfolio. But um, providing that community also gives us a way to hone our skills and look you know, daily and, and, you know, to keep up to date with all of the stuff that we have to. So, you know, with that being said, um, you know, any suggestions that you have that we can improve with, you know, we are, uh, we always are looking to improve, whether it's the podcast, uh, the database, you know, um, we've talked about doing a newsletter in the past, you know, um, 
even writing up reports uh, for this, you know, the website um, so that you can look at a newsletter so that if you're more of a, you like to read these things instead of listening to the podcast, you know, what would that look like? You know, what would it, you know, be, I, you know, I, I will tell you that um, having done this for a long time, the podcasts that we are offering you are things that people pay thousands of dollars for to get, you know, to, to look at the research for, for stocks. And I mean, we're happy to give it away for free because this is something that we would do anyway. And then Becco and I would normally just talk about this on our own anyway. So just putting a microphone in front of us doesn't really change what we're doing. Um, but, but we do want to make this more, you know, community friendly. What, what are the things that you would be, that would benefit you guys more um, and, and help, you know, and the more we can do with that, the, you know, the more we can make this a better community for everyone. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, we're excited about, you know, we've done this for a hundred episodes. I thought, you know, we would have both gotten tired, uh, of it and, <laughs> you know, and we haven't and, you know, and the, and the website and other things that we've built, we've been building, you know, I want to take them seriously again and, and, you know, really make them useful for everyone. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's the feedback and the things that you guys do that make us keep going. Right. And the community that really makes us keep going because I mean, let's be honest, nobody wants to listen to Becco all the time or me (laughs) or me or me or me, but that's why they hired me. Put me in. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. I'm grooming Nick to be Becco's replacement and he's already doing a better (laughs) job. So anyway, uh, you know, in, in all seriousness, I think we want to have a better, uh, you know, more community involvement, more, more things. And, you know, I, I'm, I look at websites like Seeking Alpha and, and other things, and they're just shills for short sellers. There's, you know, the, the, the level and quality of the, the materials that they provide are not helpful for a lot of value investors. Um, there are some value investors there, but, um, you know, they're few and far between and hard to find, right? So the community I want to build is only for for value investors, right? It's geared towards them. Um, we follow the the value investing mentality for everything that we do. Um, and so, you know, what would that look like to you guys? And we'd love to hear from you on Slack or send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org. Um, yeah, definitely. Keep us and keep us uh, informed of uh, how this community should be shaped um, in, in your world, what the future would look like. Um, and with Nick involved now, I'm, I'm really hopeful and, and excited about what this could become. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear any feedback. If you follow the YouTube channel, what would what would be um, what you guys would like to see? Um, if you would like to see, you know, visualizations of data um, that we talk about, um, just to make it, you know, the understanding easier, or just to bring new insights, um, you know, let us know in the Slack. Absolutely. Awesome and. Just want to mention one more time that thank you guys for you know tuning in. Uh, you know we really uh, couldn't have come this far without all the all the support, all the listenership, all the emails. So keep them coming, um, and we're excited for the next next hundred episode. Awesome! Uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you in the next hundred and first episode. All right, thanks, thanks guys. Thank see you. Guys. Guys.